Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, it's Tuesday the 22nd of August and a 10-man Arsenal held on for a brilliant one nil away win to Crystal Palace last night with a rather heart-in-the-mouth last 30 minutes. Uh, I'm here to talk about that with Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Uh, morning. Hello. <laughs> six from six. Uh, did it both of you feel, by the way, yesterday, I, I sat there thinking, I hate football. I hate it. It's so <laughs> painful to watch. I said, I did a tweet afterwards saying, I've been up in Edinburgh for three weeks. I've had all sorts of industry in, all sorts of people coming to see me. I've never felt so tense as I did last night for two hours. I genuinely, it really did my head in. <laughs> well, um, I received a text message from my next door neighbour at 10.07 last night saying, Brilliant. You okay, missus? Need a cuppa tomorrow? I'm in. <laughs> like yeah. with lots yeah. of emojis, just, you know, as if I was yeah. either having a nervous breakdown or, um, or there was the mother of all sort of family rows going on. And I think we were just all screaming at the telly. Um, you know, for 20 minutes. And obviously that just sounded like a humongous, murderous slanging match to uh, our next door neighbour. So I was like, oh, fine, no, it's only Arsenal. It's all good, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had I had something similar because we, we, we were recording the breakdown live and obviously that, that was going out. And so, but the, the guys in the gallery can obviously see us on the cameras in the in the box watching the game. And I think I was just <laughs> head in hands, sort of open mouthed for about five minutes without moving. And the producer put something over the over the sort of speaker. Clarky, you're right. You're looking a bit yeah. intense, mate. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those nights, wasn't it? But but I got to say, why were we that tense? I know. Well, hang on, what happened? What, what scares? What scares really happened? I know we we're going to get into absolutely. it. But. I, I, Amy, I know. Uh, I know you're thinking. Go on, Stoney, say it. We'll get to that in a little bit. We will get. <laughs> we will. Well, I don't want to. Don't want to listen. So not, another will, one in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> I see Stony Bingo or something. We can't do different things that I say every week. Anyway, uh, we will get to that a little oh, bit later. You? Before Sorry. we will. That's twice I've said it. Before we do that, Amy did a tweet this week based around the release of Arsenal's new uh, green third kit. Europe never looked so good. I'd never have imagined a replica kit looking like a haute couture fashion in the 1980s. Wouldn't mind the armoury having a section for suits and blouses judging by this ad. It was a very cool ad. Very, very funny. Uh, I don't want the boys eating ice cream too often, I'll be honest with you. But you know what? A little lick here and there. I'm, I'm assuming that an assistant came and took the ice creams off them and went, that's enough of that, lads. All right. <laughs> Streak Mikel Arteta diet. Um, so we were thinking, it was thinking back to that 1982, the famous green JVC kit. Um, Amy, you got any memories of that kit? Very vague, uh, yeah, I, I have too. to say. Not, not, not uh, stuff that sticks that long in the memory. Um, I mean, the kit is memorable, but I don't think that period of football history for Arsenal <laughs> was stuff we really want to... <laughs> you know, remember forever. But uh, I did see a photo of John Devine, uh, Hankin and Hawley in that kit that somebody uh, sort of put in sort of beautiful juxtaposition to, um, you know, a smouldering sort of Saliba Odegaard and Rice. And it just summed up the kind of like, oh, football's changed vibe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought the ad was stunning. And uh, I did watch it like multiple times in a row. Um, the music was just like, oof, gorgeous. And uh, so many items of clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought, oh, yeah. I think the stylist definitely deserve, deserves a bit of a raise for putting that together because every item was like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. 
made you just realise your wardrobe was completely inadequate. Yeah. Uh, well, mine anyway. Same old jeans and a t-shirt. God, I really need to think about it a bit. It's a great kit, by the way. It looks it really is a good. Great kit. And it particularly, is. and I know there's a bit of debate about this um, uh, differential, both in price and quality, between the sort of uh, authentic kit and the um, replica kit. I think there's around about forty pounds difference-ish. Um, so it's in excess of hundred pounds to get one of the sort of authentic kits, but the quality of material. And detail on it is it's really nice. And it looks nice. They, they look nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of things you said there, Amy. Uh, I mean, one, you can't imagine Divine Hankin and Hawley smouldering in any way, really. Uh, Adrian, you wore the original kit, didn't you? Really? <laughs> well, I did. It was a hand-me-down, basically. So I was 10 when Arsenal first spotted me, the late, great Steve Rowley, uh, five-a-side, and... And they invited me down. Before you go to the Centre of Excellence, they invite you down for, obviously, a bit of tri- trial games, essentially, at, at London Colney. And, yeah, some of my first memories of going to London Colney would have been wearing the green kit because it was obviously a memorable kit. Even then, kits weren't green, were they? It was very, very different. Um, but I would have been... It would have been 85, so it would have been three years old, um, sort of a hand-me-down from the the under-12s or whatnot who'd worn it previously. And, yeah, yeah, we did great. Just, I can smell it now. I can just smell walking into London Colney, those dressing rooms. It was awesome. And I'll tell you what was was amazing, thinking about it. Um, Amy will remember the original dressing rooms that, that burnt down at London Colney. And you would go up this pathway... Be a boot room to the right. You go through the doors, and there's the medical room. To the left was where the first team trained, and to the right, which was an area where very few people ever went, was where the kids went, the the schoolboys, the under sixteens. Um, you were that close to to the players, and it just wouldn't happen anymore. It was that you know you were there in the same building as the first team players as a ten year old wearing the badge for the first time. Yeah, never forget it. It was just it was just awesome memories. Interesting you say that because I think the club have made some attempts, although not going as far, quite as far as you know, including the ten-year-olds right the way up to the first team. But (laughs) definitely uh, bringing together an element of you know the the youth players at London Colony now with the first team, and I believe the women as well. So I think they're trying to kind of unify um, the club as a whole in that way, kind of intermingling together. And there's a really nice bit in the. newly extended works that they did at the training ground not so long ago where it's kind of a big long corridor that takes you almost from the the youth bits towards the first team bits and there's a memorable but I can't remember it very long and inspiring sort of quote along the wall and I think when young players make that official change from the youth dressing rooms to the first team dressing room there's almost like a, a ceremony and they they do the walk and they get kind of cool. welcomed cool. Um, by members yeah. of the first team staff and applauded in um, and sort of given their space in the first team dressing room. So it's a real uh, physical rite of passage. And, it, you know, the fact that it is connected, um, you know, in the same building on the other end of the corridor is that sort of like that's the inspirational sort of walk that you want to do. That's what you're aiming for as soon as you get to Coney at the age of what? In and wary in uh, Lewis uh, Skelly's case, you know, round about 15. Quite. And let's not forget that, that Ethan Wanieri played for the first team at 15 and a bit. So there is a pathway. I'm just looking at a picture of that 82 kit. What a beautiful kit that was. I mean, I had forgotten how lovely that was. And and this one is uh, is gorgeous. And fair play to the social media team as well. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's our team. And we watch these videos and they're obviously slightly, uh, you know, rose-tinted spectacles, perhaps. But uh, they know what they're doing. The marketing's been it's good. It's been very, yeah, very good. Been excellent. But so many nice touches. I mean, Via Gillespie in a kind of classical Italian road sign 
sort of stone was just things like I, that are, are what makes it for me. I love that. Very I love clever. that they used a uh, uh, let's say uh, a fella carrying a fair bit of timber uh, in, at one point wearing that shirt. I thought, yes, there are some <laughs> real fans there as well. well I really I recognise the locate. The locations were great. They're that. all recognisable nice from from people that are around the ground. Yeah, it's fantastic. Very very good. Uh, now, obviously, we're in a good mood this morning because it was Palace nil, Arsenal one. Um, same eleven uh, as last week, except for. Tommy Asu coming in for Timber. Uh, nice little message for Yuri and Timber before the start of the game as well. They haven't forgotten him and, uh, you know, it speaks of the togetherness at the club. Uh, still, Thomas Partey right back. I mean, I'm glad uh, Will Zaha wasn't playing, I'll be honest, with uh, Thomas there. But let's talk about Eddie, shall we? First of all, I mean, he was his movement is great. I really liked his movement and that spin for when he uh, when the boy and we nicked it high up the field and uh, he span round Anderson and then uh, uh, and then hit the post. That was a beautiful bit of football, wasn't it? And it was just slightly off with a finish. But Eddie's um, his confidence is good, isn't it, Amy? At the moment. Yeah, I think that was, um, and this is not meant as anything other than a compliment, but maybe his best Gabriel Jesus impersonation yet. You know, there was a lot in that performance that was more reminiscent of the sort of dynamism and intensity uh, of movement that is a handful for defenders and wanting to run with the ball and wanting to dart around and, uh, you know, make a nuisance of himself. Yeah, I think he did look definitely confident, like he felt he could score, even against, you know, in some cases he's trying to hold off a defender that's physically quite a lot bigger than him and to keep his balance and get a good shot away. Um, Obviously, you know, creating the penalty with another very sharp run. There are times, and I think this is probably common with early season or pre-season or when people are new players and trying to get lots of things clicking and integrating. There are times sometimes when I watch Arsenal and, you know, they're doing the nice kind of like controlling possession passing around the sort of back or middle of the team. And you see someone make a brilliant run and it just doesn't get seen. Yes, Yes. And you can see it from you, you know that that bigger picture of 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 the you know angle from the crowd or or whatever, and ah oh, you know look, look there's that look at Martin oh you know yeah and often one of the front players will just suddenly spin and dart off and you know the whoever the defender is on the balls maybe just still hanging onto the ball just measuring where it's going to go. And more locally, let's just say, than a kind of defence spitting, raking pass. Um, and Eddie was, you know, does does do a lot of those, but it felt like it was even more effective this time and needed to be. Because I think when you're also had a lot of possession and did a lot of the right stuff in the first sort of hour, but just weren't precise enough, really, or, or to, to to get the lead, which which could have come. I thought overall there was not a lot to complain about the first hour. No, no, Adrian. I mean, how long does this? I want to talk more about Eddie, but how long mm. does it take? I mean, people are saying, yeah, we haven't started like last season, and we haven't. It's been a bit more, you know, sticky, eggy, whatever you want to say. But how long does it take? before that sort of sharpness really happens, that connection between players? Or is it is it going to take, I don't know, 10, 15 games? I mean, I mean you've been I in there. Know. I mean, it just, yeah, it just, it just clicks. and every it, it, When it clicks, it clicks, doesn't it? I, I, I think we stepped it up a level in this game. Definitely. I, I was really happy with it. I thought I thought we totally bossed the, bossed the match until the red card. Uh, on Eddie... Fantastic! I thought he was outstanding. I really did. The, the 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 movement that you talked about, where he rolled the defender, was great. And do you know what? When I looked at the replay, I thought there's nowhere else for him to put that shot. The keeper narrowed the angle superbly. The the only way he could have scored there, I think, is if he curls it. Mm. And it was it was so close to the goal that there's just no room to really get any bend on the ball. And his so body I, putting his body in that position, he was already yeah, on the stretch anyway. Exactly. Wasn't he? So I don't think he could have scored that. 
Um, the Should other have scored one, the other one, shouldn't he? The other one was a bad choice, wasn't it? It was a brilliant piece of play from Declan Rice. Oh. I'm sure we'll get on to him shortly. The way he sort of <laughs> surged into the empty pocket, just picked him out with the run. And 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 there, you don't go for a lift over the keeper from six yards. That was a bad choice. You go hard and low, bottom corner, and that and that's in. Um, but for the penalty, I mean, Eddie Eddie effectively won us the game. I know Erdegaard goes down as 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 the one who scored the goal, but Eddie won us the game with that piece of movement to win the penalty. Uh, and the three best chances we had were all down to Eddie's positioning and runs and sharpness. That was the word that really Did sort of left off the page for me around Eddie. So He's yeah, up for it, I isn't think, he? He's well, up for it. He's sort of he's stepped playing up, Saturday. hasn't he? He's yeah. playing Saturday. He, yeah. There's no way you could leave him out uh, on the back of that performance. Great. That's great. And as for the penalty uh, itself, I mean, uh, Martin Erdegaard took the penalty. Uh, Mikel Artesa said he had no clue and the decision was taken by the players. I like that, by the way. I, I was The fact that he's given the players responsibility. Um, normally, you know, a team has a nominated penalty taker and he's taking it. And I've seen managers kick off if he if he doesn't take it. This time, Bukayo Saka, for whatever reason, uh, it, we were thinking maybe that he faced Johnson penalties in England training maybe and thought maybe he'd know a little bit more. But Martin Odegaard stepped up and it was a beautiful penalty, wasn't it, Amy? It was, but I'm fascinated by the psychology of it all. Um, I like you say, I think that you can make a good case for saying, yeah, let the players decide it on the pitch. But I think if you're that free reign, there are cer- certain circumstances where that's not going to be helpful. Um, I would have thought that I would have anticipated that as a player, it's one less thing to think about in a kind of pressure situation like a penalty. You know, this person's taking or if they're not aware, I'm taking or whatever it is. And I think it's good that there's a bit of flexibility and there may have been a specific reason for this. But I think it's probably a reason also why most teams do have designated one, two, three, according to who's on the pitch. And I would be a bit... A bit wary of just saying, hey, you know, let's penalty by penalty sort it out amongst yourselves on the pitch. I can't see that. I'm not sure whether actually Mikhail's answer was maybe not covering up something else. It's just not quite plausible to me for someone that's as detailed in their preparation. I agree. It did surprise me. It did surprise me. He'd have had a one, two, three on the list, surely. (laughs) I mean, the the only way is if Bakai was genuinely felt felt like, I I don't fancy it. And then he. he, That's good. If that's, I like that. If someone's, if you're the designated pay taker and you don't feel like it and then the next one goes, yeah, all right, I feel good. In yeah, in recent shootouts, I've got to say, the Erdogan's look more confident than Saka. I don't think Saka's penalty penalty taken has looked as confident the last few that he's taken. So to be honest, I I would just go with Martin now. Um, he, he's a very calm calm guy, isn't he? Um, he does. He doesn't lack confidence, does he, Martin Erdogan? So nor does Bukayo as well. And uh, so anyway, that was the winning goal. But we um, we were in control of the game, and then. Um, Tommy Asu got sent off uh, for, <laughs> well, I don't know what for, really. I mean, it wasn't him time-wasting. I don't think he was time-wasting at all, actually. And he got the yellow card because of all the other stuff that had gone on. Uh, I mean, they did do it on the, on the, the coverage on Sky last night when they talked about the time-wasting with Thomas Partey from the goal kick and then the time-wasting from Kai Havertz. And, and Tommy was just the unfortunate one. He got the yellow card. And then he got the second one. For, I mean, nothing, Adrian, as far as I could tell. Did he even touch Jordan Ayew? I, I don't think so, no. I, I think he, he, you know, he gets, he's not goal side. So that's that, that's one issue. So he's in front of his man. So there's ideal. a position where, yeah. you know, he, he's not he's not in a great position. But at the same time, he doesn't tug the shirt. He doesn't push him. There's no touch. And, and, and Ayew just falls to the deck. The referee was weak he wanted to please the home fans in my opinion I don't think you do get referees that that get drawn in by the noise by the by the atmosphere and you just couldn't wait to give him the card what what annoys me and look all referees can make mistakes what annoys me a is that it's a guess because he hasn't seen the pull because there wasn't one so he's guessed from his angle he might not have been able to see the contact, but he's seen the player go down. He's seen Tommy Asu the wrong side, and he thought, "Oh, he's pulled him back there." You can't give a yellow card and ultimately send off a player guessing that, and it's right in front of um, the fourth official as well, who surely should be able to say something. 
Um, but what really rankles with me is the rules and, and the rules yes. have to change. Yes. The rules have to change. You, If a yellow card results in a red, you have to look at it. It's just ridiculous that you wouldn't um, because it, it was such a big influence on the match. And yeah, I, I don't know why that rule is in place and I don't know why they don't change it today. No, I, I I have to agree that second that you can't review second yellow cards. <laughs> like they said that, and I thought, why? What? 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 Why? That's a ridiculous idea. Amy, have you got anything to add to that? Really, we all thought it was ridiculous, and that we were in complete control of the game, and then we weren't. I think Adrian said it beautifully. I think he did, and I and yeah. I agree. I, it's typical of the system that even though it should be changed today, it probably won't be changed or God knows how long it'll take or how many of these equivalent idiotic scenarios will have to play out involving all sorts of teams before it's eventually addressed. But there is no reason why the, you know, intelligentsia at the top of football can't bang their heads together and say, okay, this, this is nonsensical. We can we do something about it? Yes. Yeah, uh, there, there is no reason why except PGMOL. That's the reason why, <laughs> by the way. Just a, <laughs> oh, one, thanks for <laughs> which that is explainer. Cool. <laughs> um, the other thing to say is, by the way, anyone who's at the Emirates on Saturday, any time a Fulham player it takes more than two seconds over a throw-in, <laughs> you want to make as much noise well, as possible. But this is what, you know, of the course. only thing I did think about this whole, particularly the first one, is, you know, how many years have Arsenal been whinging about time-wasting with opposition teams and players, particularly at the Emirates. And this has like become a feature of a lot of matches. And they are actually trying to address it. And in one, in one way, I think that that's right. But um, obviously this kind of idea of a kind of a culminating, it's almost like accumulating bookings. And then you see a ref pointing going there, there and there, one, two, three, you know. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're doing too much collective time wasting. Well, like we all saw, it wasn't exactly Tommy who was the guiltiest party. Uh, but Arsenal, if Arsenal were um, trying to play a few little tricks and be wise to you know, trying to slow the game down and, and chip away at the intensity that Palace needed to build up. Well, you know, we've seen it often enough when the ball is on the other foot and it drives everybody crazy. So it, if Arsenal are going to play that game, then as long as everybody else is, uh, you know, is and it's that whole consistency thing. And that was, again, the thing that irritated people about the second yellow, because are you on Saka? also on yeah. the yellow card, yeah. where there was very definite um, visible contact and you could see in one move a shirt pull and also a push down on the kind of area between the shoulders. Um, that was an unden- that was undeniably what the referee presumably thought Tomiyasu did. Oh, Only Tomiyasu didn't and IU did. So <laughs> consistency, consistency, consistency will always be the kind of biggest trigger to make people go mad when they're watching football. Yeah, and I don't know what Gary Neville was watching when he was doing the summing up. <laughs> what did he say? I, he just, oh yeah, I mean, it was it was essentially accepted by Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville that okay. he had to go. He had to go for the second. Really? For what? Honestly, both of them. And you thought, if that's yeah, a Liverpool or Man United player, there is no way... There is no way that uh, that is happening. Uh, but anyway, and it probably yeah. isn't happening at the Emirates as well. Adrian, you know when I said we'll get to that thing, right, that you were going to talk about? This is when we get to it, all right? <laughs> I do think there should be some chronology in order, right? We, we can be a bit freeform once in a while. But it's interesting what you said about why were we nervous? Because the players, Tommy goes off and we're down to 10 men. He makes some substitution. Uh, substitutions. We ended up with about four centre-halves on the pitch at the end of the game. <laughs> but the fact is that Palace did not have a clear chance. And and it's possible that we could have played another 20 minutes. I mean, I, listen, I'm not saying we could have done. <laughs> Amy, your face, I'm very glad we didn't. I have to say, I have to say when seven minutes went up, I thought, oh, seven, I'll take that, right? yeah. which is not how I usually <laughs> feel about these things. I was expecting double figures. But actually, Adrian, the players were pretty calm, weren't they? They were very calm. I thought, I thought they managed the game outstandingly well. 
I thought that Mikel Arteta did a great job, actually, in, in terms of his changes. Gabriel coming on was obviously the no-brainer at the outset. It, it frustrated me a little bit, I've got to say, to to be so deep and to invite pressure so much. And my, I would personally have taken Havertz off and, and kept Martinelli on for his pace so that when we booted it clear, we had someone that might might just be able to get on the end of it. Um, that's what I would have done differently, but, but it worked, didn't it, ultimately? So, yeah, we invited too much pressure, I was I was talking to myself in the studio saying, why aren't we keeping the ball? The best way to, to play against 10 men isn't to camp on the edge of your box, it's to keep the ball away from them. We did and do then that for he, a bit, didn't we? Exactly, and that's what I was getting to with the Jorginho Zinchenko-Kivior substitutions facilitated that, and that was brilliant, and I love that. It, I don't know how long it lasted, five, 10 minutes. That was beautiful, and... Um, yeah, very enjoyable to watch. The, the, the rest of it was a bit nerve-wracking, but I just think that, that the players and the manager backed themselves to be resilient enough to, to keep them at bay. They just thought, well, we'll defend properly. And, and they did defend properly, and Palace didn't get really a sniff. They could have done, though. It's when you, when you risk it and play on your penalty spot or the edge of your box, and there's all these scrambles, you're relying on the bounce of the ball too much, and it could easily have fallen to a Palace player who smashes one in. Um, so, yeah, we kind of got away with it, but at the same time, I, I like the confidence of Arteta and the players to say, you know what, we're just going to sit in here and keep you out and shut the game down. And, they and, we deserve, and we deserve to get away with it as well, I think. Amy, you were going to say something there? Yeah, I found myself thinking when, you know, there was this sort of murderous tension going on um, <laughs> about whether... You know, like, if you compare it to last season, like, you know, everyone started the season with this sort of almost very carefree, in, you know, enjoyment of it all. And then that pressure really only started to kick in when... Man City was sort of beginning to beginning to come. And you reach that point where every game you feel like you have to win to keep, you know, to to keep in the fight. And I found it interesting that it's game two. And I think because of the strength of Man City, you just feel like yeah. I've got to win the game. Yeah. And I think that added to the tension of it. Because mm. You know what? If it had been nil nil or one one away at Palace, it's not an easy place. It's, per- it's a perfectly respectable score. It's not, you know, but because of the nature of the Premier League, you find yourself feeling like already so close to the beginning of the season. This almost suffocating sort of necessity to try and you know, to avoid dropping points because of the standards that they've set. So you're kind of playing games in a slightly different atmosphere almost to what used to be normal, um, sort of pre this kind of 90-point-a-season type of era that we're in now, where it would, you know, it, it shouldn't have been disastrously disappointing if it had been uh, a, a draw. But, you know, the, that relief at the end of the win and you saw the yeah. way Declan Rice spoke about it, he spoke really, really well. But you can see the way that they're thinking that, the players are thinking we have to win every game. Yeah, great. Well, (laughs) go and do that then. It's it's great, (laughs) but it's also pretty intense. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence here on Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump. 
a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ian Stone here with Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Let's talk about Declan Rice then. Uh, Adrian, best performance in an Arsenal shirt um, and as Amy said spoke beautifully at the end if you want to win the Premier League if you want to be up there at the end these are the stadiums you've got to come to and show character to pluck out the three points that's why I signed for the Arsenal I believe in the vision I believe in the manager and I believe in this team with how young and how hungry we are I mean, it's just it's just poetry for Arsenal fans, isn't it? Really, <laughs> he's on board, isn't he? I love he it. The um, yeah, I, I didn't see the interview. I was travelling home, but but I saw the performance and I loved it. I thought in the first half, especially, he just oozed quality. He really did. Just the way he was effortlessly. So what I said in in the pre-match show, actually, I said, look, look, Declan Rice is doing well, but there are levels to come from him. That, that that basically he needed, I think, the nine days between the Forest game and this one to train, to get that fitness up to speed. I believe they had a practice match against Luton that they won uh, at London Colney. Um, it would have done him the world of good to have that, that build up into the game. And I said, Declan Rice tonight, I believe, will go up a level. And he did. It was clear, I think, for all to see. It, it was just the, the passes he was attempting. He, he was... And making he for was the most part. Effortlessly just clipping it to the feet of Martinelli on one side, effortlessly clipping it out to Saka on the other or Partey. He was everywhere in terms of breaking the play up. I thought, yeah, I thought he was colossal. And I loved, loved the way he stepped into that space to to slip Eddie into the box. That shows that he's not just a, a deep lying guy that breaks up play. He's got the ability to and the initiative to make things happen in the final third as well. And then, and then of course, in the final half an hour, even though we had, what, five centre-backs on the pitch or something silly, we also had another one, didn't we? Because he he was originally a centre-back and he was there mucking in inside the box. He's a tall guy, um, getting his head on things. So, yeah, very, very good from him. I think it was a proper eight and a half out of ten performance from Declan. It was. It's, Amy, um, as you as you know, as you both know, I'm doing an Edinburgh show at the moment. I have a line in the show where I say, most of the time I'm thinking at the moment, will Declan Rice work as a six or an eight, right? And it's just, I say it for me and a few football fans that come to the show. But the truth is, Amy, it doesn't matter, does it? He plays, he can do a number of jobs, as Adrian says, and he can do them all uh, really, really well. And we need, we're yet to see the best of him, but my God... Well, it's an exciting prospect, isn't it, really? I just feel very comfortable having him on the pitch. It's a kind of uh, a safety blanket, I think, for everybody. Because even though the whole, I think the whole strategy of the team is a bit of a work in progress. Um, and you feel like there's a lot of them are still feeling their feet and just trying to find rhythm and trying to find connections and understandings and telepathies all over the pitch. Um that's coming. It, oddly, this time last year, you felt like everybody knew exactly what they were doing in a more straightforward way. Uh, and now it feels all a little bit sort of fluid and changeable and, and malleable. You know, you can't quite suss out everyone's roles so easily, even during the game, it's changing quite a lot. So I'm interested to see how everybody looks in another month, even or another six weeks, or another two months, because I just think there is a lot more connection to come within this team that will come from their daily work and their kind of, um, their blending and their understanding of each other and they're getting to know each other. But 
I just sometimes you just got to play on the pitch and you, you're just so glad they're out there on your team and that's what it feels like with Declan Rice and it's a really nice feeling to have that and know that there's more on the way there because he's not at 100% effectiveness in this team compared to what we imagine he can bring a little bit further down the line Stoney, it's very I did exciting like, I did like uh, the sight of Declan Rice and Thomas Partey together at the base of that midfield when we were popping the ball around. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, yeah they're two very, very good players, two physical players. And yeah, it was more of a two, wasn't it, in this game? I think it was Declan was, was far less adventurous, which was the right thing to do. Palace away is not an easy game. Exactly. And, and Eze played very centrally, he played yes. as a number 10, and he had a job to do, and you couldn't neglect neglect that role and I thought Eze was pretty quiet wasn't he so yeah, yeah. it was um, excellent from the midfield and we're a bigger side as well 8 out of 10 of the Arsenal players on the pitch 6 foot plus right we ain't going to be bullied uh, like we have been in the uh, recent past um, another big guy <laughs> the biggest I think uh, William Saliba um, oh my goodness the tackle he did when he lost the ball to be fair but then the tackle back and I, I was not, uh, there was no doubt in my mind. I know the Palace fans made a noise, but it was a beautiful tackle. Um, he needs to stay fit, Amy, right? Oh, he's immense, colossal. Really, uh, another one, like I was just saying about Declan Rice, just have him on the pitch and you feel better. Uh, the trust that everybody has in him, which is all down to his quality, is, uh, is a phenomenal asset to the football team. And that tackle, <laughs> it's like you said, the noise that the Crystal Palace fans made, even though you don't think there's, a, you know, you, you're backing your man, but the, there is that element of doubt, isn't there? It's just like, yeah. there's, a, there's a kind of half second of, uh, you know, what if? And then when you uh, when I saw the tackle back, I laughed. It was so good. Perfect, wasn't it? Absolutely perfect. Yeah, and he, and he needed some pace to get back there because he, uh, he was definitely a yard behind. footballer. He is. And, uh, he is. And, and him signing that contract was just such a significant thing for this football football team just talking of him though it's hard to talk about him right now and not also talk about Gabriel because that partnership last year was so central to a lot of what Arsenal had as their foundation um and even when Gabriel came on and he made that one intervention towards the end and was properly pumped whatever the situation is uh, right now and I'm not sure any of us are, are, are super clear on it He's such a valued member of the squad and it's a bit of a strange feeling, I think, to be observing what's going on there. I'm slightly uncomfortable about it. I think we all are. I, and I was I was surprised that he didn't start yesterday. I mean, I thought it was just a, a sensible approach to just go back to that back four that was familiar from last season. Yeah. Adrian, it's to do with Partey I think it, the, the team is revolving at the moment or the first two games has revolved around Partey's position as a right back slash central midfielder and I just think he he on the opposite side to him he's wanted more of a fullbacky type player um, i.e. a Timber or a Tommy Asu now when Zinchenko plays, that changes, doesn't it? If if Thomas Partey doesn't play in that same role, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, actually. But I, I can foresee when Zinchenko starts, so too does Gabriel. And then everyone shuffles along and, and White is more of a, an orthodox right-back, but also a right-sided centre-back because Zinni is in midfield. I, I think it's about... Yeah, about what they want to do when they're building from the back, which is amazing, really, because, you know, defenders in my lifetime have always been picked on how good they are at defending rather than the, the, the makeup of how you build from the back. But football is changing really quickly, isn't it? And It is. And it is. Um, yeah, I think he's just a victim of that. I, I don't... It, I, the only other explanation I can have is that he's, he's not fully fit at the moment, but... But, but he has been used as a sub on both occasions. So you'd assume he can't be that bad. I must I must say, I'll be very happy when September the 1st comes around. Uh, and, I can't uh, leave. He can't I, leave. No, I don't think he... I, listen, Mikel Arteta shut that down pretty quickly. But uh, it's just uh, it's a minor worry, I suppose. Um, we do have some serious squad depth uh, in this team now. I noticed uh, Emil Smith-Rowe... 
Trossard, Reese Nelson, Fabio Vieira, David Raya, all unused substitutes. Uh, Kieran Tini and Balogun didn't make the squad uh, again. We do have some serious depth. One other thing I should mention, Bukayo Saka has featured in each of Arsenal's last 82 Premier League games. That is two seasons and a bit, equaling Paul Merson's club record in the competition. Um <laughs> It's a surprising name to me. It's surprising right? Merce, aren't you? Because yeah, he's <laughs> brilliant. Come on. Yeah, he was, no, no, he was, he was a brilliant player. Absolutely but... brilliant. But uh, maybe not fitness first wasn't uh, <laughs> always. But what a player. Uh, mm. uh, and it's so great that he's in that company. Uh, and he's got his own song, Adrian, as well, hasn't he? Yeah, Bacari. yeah. Yeah, I've sort of only just come across the song. But I love it. I love all this. I love the the creativity among the fans at the moment to create the away these, fans are great. these songs yeah absolutely made a brilliant. lot of noise last night a lot of noise yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it does it may, definitely makes a difference the feel good vibes around the supporters are, are definitely spurring on the the players no doubt about that and every player wants their own song and i'm glad that that has got his own bespoke one now it's great what what's the actual lyrics i could kind of hear it uh, in super speed, uh, in the kind of ca- audio chaos of the, the Jay, TV. Jay, I'm, Jay, I'm going to come to you at this point. <laughs> Those Bukayo, Saka, running down the wing, Saka, hear the Arsenal sing, Saka, we're all going to Wembley. <laughs> it goes, Bukayo, Saka, running down the wing, Saka, hear the Arsenal sing, Saka, we're all going to Wembley. Is that how it goes? Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> along, along the lines. Yeah. Jay is just. Uh, Jay was at the game last night. I produced it. I've just mull- I've just butchered it, but um, <laughs> it's all right. It's, that's the tune, isn't it? It is. Um, Voulez vous? Yeah. Voulez like vous? vous. Yes. Like, Voulez like vous. A, like a bit of Abba. It's all good. <laughs> Amy Pepe's back in, back training with the squad. I mean, I'm reading a little bit about him. Um, I mean, would you keep him as an option this season? He just seems... I mean, he's training alone is what I heard, which sounds so grim. Adrian, do you ever train alone, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not at Arsenal, yeah. I not did, fun, yeah. right? And that's awful. It's the yeah. worst thing that can happen to you, really, as a footballer. Um, yeah, no, Stephen is completely ostracised and... Yeah, oh. stopped from going to games and stopped from going training. I had to go to the local David Lloyd Centre and basically <laughs> ran till I dropped because the manager put a personal trainer with me that had to make sure I did a ridiculous amount of stuff. It, yeah, it was horrendous. I, I trained with Michael Thomas. Um, I was in the youth team when, when Michael Thomas got ostracised at Arsenal and just felt, I couldn't believe it. This was a guy that just won us the league at Anfield yeah. a couple of yeah. years previously. And and there he was because, you know, there's a little bit of a dispute with the management over contracts or whatnot. And yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that side of football. Um, but a no. lot of managers, a lot of managers, a lot of nice guys end up taking that tactic in a bid to sort of force that player to crack and to move for you know either cancel contracts or or to just move that that's the the reason it's done um don't yeah i don't love that now just so just briefly want to divert and mention of michael thomas and uh, his disputes with george an amazing story they they didn't get on that well at certain points let's just say <laughs> and uh i remember a couple of the lads telling me about in training once when they were doing press-ups and george had a go at michael thomas for not doing his press-ups correctly and, uh, you know, jumped down and demonstrated, wanted his chest to go all the way to the ground and back up. And I think Mickey was sort of in his, a Mickey way, just doing it in a bit of a half, uh, more relaxed interpretation of press-ups. <laughs> and it ended up with George, with essentially Michael Thomas being in a kind of plank and George sitting on his back to try and force him down. And all the rest of the lads were just watching like, Oh my God, what's going on? And Michael Thomas just did not resist. And the harder that George kind of pushed down on his back, <laughs> Michael just dug in and resisted. <laughs> and I think that was kind of typical of, uh, let's just Fair say, point. of the era and slightly different times. I'm not sure something like that would happen anymore. I'm not Probably sure. not I'm with not Nicholas sure. Pepe. I, I don't know if he'd be able to manage that kind of resistance. But um, I'm not sure hey. anyone's doing press-ups now, to be honest <laughs> with you. It just seems very uh, old yeah. school. In terms of Pepe, I mean, mm. we just don't know. He's got, as I said, Amy, he's got 
He's got very few options, isn't he? I think what's there's always options in the end, you know. Um, well, Saudi Arabia is an option for pretty well, much everyone, the, isn't it? To there's, be fair. There's always... It, Arsenal have shown in recent years that if they don't really want to play around, no matter who they are or what their contract is, they will sort of make them go away, uh, even yeah. if it's a case of ripping up the contract or, or paying a certain amount to just bring a premature close to things. Clearly, after the outlay and so on, Arsenal, I think, would have wanted to have recouped some reasonable cash for a player like Pepe. Unfortunately, he hasn't been stellar on his loans, which would have been helpful. It's a, it's He's one of those enigmatic guys where there is talent in there. You know, he's not without talent. But, and he's, by all accounts, a, you know, a, a pretty nice guy. He's not, awful he's not horrendously disruptive um he's a fairly easygoing kind of a guy but I just get the feeling that Mikel has given him enough chances albeit maybe reluctantly at times because I don't think he ever seemed like he was the sort of profile of player that he really wanted and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that uh that he will stay and be reintegrated. I, I have a feeling that, in, you know, in another, you know, week or so, I wouldn't be gobsmacked if uh, if there was some form of departure, even if it's not one that was ideal. But obviously, like any departure, it's something Pepe's got to agree to, as well as Arsenal, as, as well. well as whoever's coming in, and it's not always easy to get that three-way agreement. So, just have to wait and see. Um, and I guess if for whatever reason he ends up still being around, you know, I, I expect that he would probably be mostly used in the League Cup and FA Cup and so on, which would be a bit sad, really. I'm sure he wouldn't be massively happy. But, yeah, like I said, what if, if you got ask injured, me... To, what if Saka got injured tomorrow? Well, I just keep still months. thinking that there's another purchase out there. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I keep I keep thinking I'm quite intrigued that there's been so much sort of noise about Kudus and he's still not gone anywhere. And sometimes I'm completely speculating, by the way, and I know mm. absolutely nothing. So that's <laughs> that's important. But if Arsenal wanted a player like that and he wanted to come to Arsenal, we've seen the evidence of the way that all the incomings have talked about coming. Declan Rice and, and Neuron Timber especially uh, and Raya even like it was they were desperate to come specifically to Arsenal to this team yeah. this manager yeah. this club and they were going to wait around until that happened they can't be the only ones out. I think there's a vibe going on and it is a bit of a place to be and if there have been signals out there it, you know, Arsenal obviously ideally needed to sell a bunch of players before going back into the market and that's where this period is quite crucial. But you just never know whether there's a bit of a, like, someone like that's hanging about yeah. because it might yeah. happen late. It might be total bollocks and I'm talking out my backside, but... <laughs> there's got to be a reason why he hasn't gone to Brighton because I thought I thought that was a done deal. But, yeah, but yeah if, if, if you're kudos and you think, well, there's a chance to go to Arsenal... I'll hold off. That 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 might be. That might be. Yeah, like you say, we're speculating, but that might pure be pure speculation. Uh, yeah. But obviously, that, Pepe, Pepe probably does need to go. But he is the closest to Saka in terms of style. The way he cuts inside and wraps his left foot around shots. You know, he, he's got something there. He just just not often enough. No, uh, obviously, uh, uh, well, I think you basically watch David Ornstein's Twitter feed, I would say, because he'll definitely bring it to you. He'll be there <laughs> straight away with the news. Um, by the way, Ethan Wanieri scored a hat-trick, 16 now, getting on a bit, <laughs> scored a hat-trick for the under-21s, and Mikel was watching. That can't hurt at result. all. Yeah. That's pretty good. He must, <laughs> obviously, when he, he turns around, he thinks, oh, he's here, is he? How beautiful that is for him. Um I should say at this point that, and you know that we, we have talked about this before, we can announce that our live show will take place on November the 15th at Leicester Square Theatre in the heart of London's glittering West End. Uh, if you are an athletic subscriber and follow us on the app, look out for an email soon as you will get early access to tickets. Very excited to be doing the live show as well. Um, 
Let's have a song to finish. Adrian, <laughs> I'm scared, mm. to be honest. <laughs> no, no need to be scared. No need to be scared. No, the live show, can't, can't wait for it. Well, so live it's a, show, be great. Yeah, two and a half months away. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Um, almost three months, but yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of the song, I think in homage, not to the green kit, but the luminous yellow number that made its sort of debut in the Premier League last night and a winning debut clean sheet away win yes and um, yeah fluorescent isn't it so yeah fluorescent adolescent uh, by Arctic Monkeys like the song um, it's got nothing to do with football but it's got the got fluorescent in it so that'll do Great. He's a very uh, he's a very cool bloke. <laughs> Almost a little bit too much, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, what about you, Amy? What you got? Uh, I'm going for the Sex Pistols and silly thing about that second yellow card and not going to. <laughs> I thought the whole thing was just silly. silly. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, thing. in the lyrics, there's a, a line where it goes, "What's the use of wasting time?" Um, so oh, yeah, man. Sex Pistols, silly thing. by uh, John Lydon. <laughs> Knew that there'd be lots of time added on. Guna, as we know. Uh, I'm having... Uh, I thought the way they stood up in the last 30 minutes, I was really proud of them. And I loved the way... That, and, and Mikel Arteta said it as well. So I'm going for Stand by R.E.M. Uh, also not about football, but uh, still really love that tune. very much for listening to us thank you to amy thank you to adrian thanks to jay for the abba song <laughs> and uh and producing the show uh and this has been handbreak off the arsenal podcast brought to you by the athletic see ya